What's up, everybody? We're back. It's another episode of All Out War. It's been a hasty month, but we're back. We're back. Rosie, how you doing, man? Good. Hey, I got a question. Yeah? Will you trample me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I will not trample you. <laughs> Rachel, how you doing? <laughs> I thought, you were gonna, I thought I, was gonna get, I was gonna get you worse. Oh, you were able to hold it in. Nobody knows what you're talking about. It is. Oh my gosh. Uh, inside joke. Inside joke. Sorry about that. Sorry to our listeners. There. That was. I just had a huge laughing fit. I couldn't stop. I was literally crying uh, from. Uh, a story that Rosie just told me. Rosie, what's up, man? How how you been? Hey, I'm all right. Yeah. What's what What's new? What do you know? What do you know? That's what I'm supposed to say. What do you know, man? Oh, hey. <laughs> what's up? Um. Oh, first of all, I'm yeah. gonna say, um, I was gonna ask all the listeners out there. Yeah. Um, my, if you are the praying type, yeah, please. Uh, my one of my sister's best friends just passed away today a couple hours ago she oh no oh yeah i didn't tell you that sorry yeah um she died uh due to complications she passed away from um she just gave birth to her second child and oh man um, yeah so if you could keep her husband and the baby is still not not out of uh out of the woods <clears throat> so please you can keep them in your prayers Man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so his name is Sean, and so Sean's family, please. Thanks, listeners. Um, other than that, did you know that even back in the 18th century, they used to write complaints about businessmen and <laughs> bad customer service? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Here, read this. Um, <clears throat> It's uh, an article. It's called Meet the Worst Businessmen of the 18th Century B.C. Uh, customer complaints are often made through Twitter today, but in the 18th century B.C., they were chiseled onto tablets in cuneiform script. Wow. One of the oldest uh, known tablets are directed at a Mesopotamian businessman named uh, E. Nasir, who, judging by the sheer number of complaints against him, was possibly the worst business of this businessman of the second millennium BC. Wow. Yeah. So this guy, uh, it's, uh, listen, it says, uh, in the city of Ur located in modern day Iraq. Okay. Uh, what the city of, Ur, you just want to pause it real quick. Yeah. Let me go take care of this dog. All yeah. that thought for just okay. a second. All right, we're back. I got <laughs> I got the, the dog. dog got loose. It got loose somehow and came downstairs into our right outside our door of our studio it was barking. A little wrong. Oh, they heard. They heard. Yeah, they heard. Yeah. It shouldn't happen again. I know. Yeah. I've killed it. So, we're good. good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I was say, I was talking about the worst businessman ever. Yes. Uh so it says in the city of Ur, located in modern-day Iraq. Yeah. That's where uh, Abraham was, was from. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's a biblical city. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, it was excavated in the early 20th century, largely by some British guy. One specific house contained a number of inscribed cuneiform tablets, which were business letters addressed to one E. Nasir. He was a member of <laughs> Alik Tillman, a guild of merchants based in Dilman, another archaeological <laughs> site, blah, 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 blah. So based on more than a dozen surviving tablets squirreled away in his own house, archaeologists have discovered 
that E. Nasir was a big shot copper trader dealing mostly with in large sale ingots. Ingots? Whatever that word is. <laughs> ingots. 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 Uh, but also in the finished metal products and on occasion textiles and foodstuffs. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so there's this tablet. I won't read it all. And, uh, but I just thought it was really funny that even back and uh, before Jesus, <laughs> BC, before Christ, yeah. they were, uh, that these, he was such a bad businessman <laughs> that people took the time <laughs> to write complaints to him on cuneiform tablets. And we found him. And so now, the worst businessman. There you go. Ear Nasir. That that is that is awesome. Uh, I, <laughs> which reminds me, you know, we have um, this is the perfect segue. We if you listen to the podcast, go and leave us a review <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on on Apple iTunes. Like you could leave a review, like our good friend Sippy Dick. Not worth it. One star. Have no clue where these guys came from. They no clue what they are talking about. So, dude, you need to move on. That was like the first <laughs> review ever. <laughs> The problem is those things, they live forever. It's like cuneiform tablets. Like, right. They, they go anywhere. Oh, <laughs> they're in the digital on your record. That's right. Oh, there's another, since we're talking about this, and let me bring it up All right. so that if this person hears it, you need to go back. Science Chick. Science Chic. No, Science Chick. Two. 10, 1, 0, 10, 1, 0 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 6. Yeah. You gave a one star, but you gave a really good review. Yeah. Go back and give it a five star. <laughs> Here's the review. Can I, I read it? I saw that. Can I read it? Do you sure. mind if I read it? Okay. It says, Turner and Rosie are informative, charismatic, and absolutely hilarious. Why, thank you. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad I found this podcast and Brothers in Christ. They discuss fringe Christianity topics with open-minded and refreshingly compassionate perspective. I'm thankful for you guys, and I want you to know that what you're discussing is important for people to hear. You are appreciated. Thank you. One star. One star. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Science Chick. You're amazing. That was back in February. I would just say she, it was probably an accident. Yeah. But yeah, to ease Turner's mind. <laughs> to ease my mind. Now we're going to get a bunch of people that are going to purposely do like one star bad reviews <laughs> right, just really to nice. get under my skin. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Dude, All right, that's phenomenal. Yes. Well, how about here's another did you know? Okay, cool. Did you know that there is a tree in Athens, Georgia that is called the tree that owns itself, which is a white oak tree. Cool. It is widely assumed to legally own itself and the 8 foot the 8 feet of land surrounding it. According to newspapers, a deed written by Colonel William Jackson was written to the tree giving ownership of the land to itself in the 1800s. Wow. So there's a tree that so they buried underneath it is this deed. And they can't ever take the tree down because it owns itself. Yeah. That's amazing. Yep. People are going to start doing that more and more, I bet. Yeah. Ha, for real. Ha, ha. That's right. I do that for myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that has a lot of relevance for today. All right. We got a big episode. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast.
That's right. It's the All Out War Podcast. Welcome back. Hey, we have a great episode today. We're going to talk about some things that um, I hear referred to a lot on different podcasts, especially in the truther community, the, the conspiracy world, uh, and in, in particular, especially when the COVID you know, span, you know, pandemic happened, um, scamdemic, whatever you want to call it, happened. And uh, it revolves around uh, a couple documents that a lot of these people reference. Um, in particular, I'm thinking of uh, the Event 201, Agenda 2030, uh, SPARS, the most recent one, SPARS 2025 to 2028, um, Operation Lockstep, um, Operation Crimson Contagion, and there might be one one or two more, if I'm remembering correctly. But um, these are often cited in reference to the way that the uh, international community governments um, have handled the, the COVID outbreak. You can't see it, but I have air quotes going when I say outbreak. Um, by the way, just on a side note to this whole thing, um, I did do some research and found um, the Harvard... 2010 study on the VAERS, the yeah. Vaccine Adverse Effects Research or Reporting um, website that is actually part of the CDC website. And um, in that particular study that they did from Harvard, they discovered that 1% of people actually report to VAERS. And to date, there are about 4,000 now deaths as a result of the vaccine for for the covid um, that have been reported so if you do if you understand that only one percent of those people are actually reporting um, there's going to be half a million people dead in a year uh, versus the 480,000 that have died from covid 408,000 people have not died from covid well i'm just gonna reported say, yeah reported dead reported dead yeah i would agree with you i don't think there was with, I, with not from yeah, with COVID, right? Yeah. <laughs> which, which even that's debatable because you have the PCA testing, which or is it PCR PCR, PCR testing, yeah. which is, yeah, which is debatable on whether or not that's even accurate. And then you had the payouts that were going to the hospitals for anybody that was diagnosed with COVID, they got a certain amount. Anybody put on a ventilator, they got a certain amount. Anybody that died from quote unquote, they got a certain amount. So there was like a billion dollars of payout in in twenty uh, twenty twenty alone. To hospitals, so <clears throat> all that's document. You can you can find that anywhere. But that particular Harvard study, by the way, it took me it took me quite a while to find the actual document. Hmm. It was buried under all kinds of stuff, especially if you use the typical you know um, tech owned search engines like Google. Um, you you won't find it. You have to go to some of the alternative browsers and search engines. To locate it and then even still there's all kinds of like <laughs> like is this true is it did it happen this way or whatever yeah no it's been completely documented i have it i saved it so thankfully i have it in a pdf form so i can always you refer say to it. we've got the documents we've got the documents we've read, <laughs> we've read the documents that's right and actually i'm you, you could i could tip my hat to our our mm -hmm. good friend john brisson I, I love that guy so much man he's such a he's such yeah. a great guy and uh he is he kind of um inspired me a little bit to pull out these documents and we all kind of took one on and um and so what i was thinking is we would look at some of these particular documents that i was just referring to the event 201 the the um i'm going to look at lockstep and um and then you have 2030, Agenda 2030, right, Rosie? Mm -hmm. So um, we want to just kind of talk about what's 
what are inside these documents, who produced them, and and how does it how what's the implications to these things, and how can we connect them, and and where we see them working out themselves in the coronavirus um, responses today. So who would like to go first? R Rachel, would you like to go for, I like to do ladies first. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of a man of chivalry, you know? Sure, sure, why not? <clears throat> I mean, okay. I have a smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. Sorry, it's been a while. I, my yeah. hand slipped, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Rachel. <laughs> um, the funny thing is like, even in just searching uh, Event 201, the first few things that come up are like, fact check, fact check. Mm -hmm. This actually happened, conspiracy theory you know, galore or whatever. Debunked, and I'm like, yeah. but then you read the website. So anybody can go to this website. It is centerforhealthsecurity.org slash event 201. You go there, you can read uh, the, you can read the statement of why it was put on. You can read all the scenarios that are being described. You can read about each of the players that were uh, involved with it. You can watch the videos all the resources, everything. So it's not like it's, you know, hidden and it's like fake news. Like you can go and you can see. So um, for anybody who doesn't know what Event 201 is, um, Event 201 was a three and a half hour pandemic table talk exercise that simulated a series of dramatic scenario-based facilitated discussions confronting difficult true-to-life dilemmas associated with this response to a hypothetical but scientifically plausible pandemic. 15 global businesses, government and public health leaders were players in the simulation exercise. This was put on by the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg uh, School of Public Health, Center for Health Security, the World Economic Forum, hmm. and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> this happened in October 2019. I believe it happened on the 19th. Um, which was six weeks before the coronavirus pandemic Wait, began to break out in you, China. Did you say October 19th? I'm pretty sure. So backwards, that would be 911. There would be. Whoa. Right? 10 1 9. It'd be yeah. 9 11. It, yeah. Um, Signifying it. It was, it was October. <laughs> False flag. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It was the 18th, October 18th. Oh, you just ruined my whole conspiracy. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel, with all your facts. <laughs> um, so it was audience only. Um, it took place in New York. Mm. Um, it had a wide variety of, um, as I said, business and global government and public health leaders. Um, it had, let's see, I believe it was nearly 130 people uh, in, attended the exercises. The round table um, involved, I believe, 15 main people. Yes, 15 main people. Hmm. So they were kind of, the exercise was conducted kind of like uh, with like pre-recorded news broadcasts that were like obviously um, simulations live staff briefings and moderated discussions on scientific topics. So these issues were carefully designed in a compelling narrative that educated the participants on the audience. All of it was based off of a 
pandemic, um, <laughs> uh. a coronavirus pandemic. They were calling it a zoonotic pandemic that uh, came from bats, migrated to pigs, what? and then jumped to people in Brazil. This is the exercise. Bats. So, so it started in bats, right? Yeah, it started in bats, which apparently, I mean, in the coronavirus family, which there are several oh, yeah. that's typically where like that early unmutated form comes from. So it's so funny, though, because when you jump on the page, there's an immediate disclaimer at the top. And it's all about how it is in no way related to the coronavirus pandemic that happened later. Of, of so, course not, yes. Yes. Um, but I thought it was really interesting that the um, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was over this. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised. And when it happened, um, a lot of us people who kind of keep track of what Bill Gates is doing were like, this is not fishy at all. Um, and so the actual pandemic happening, um, real, you know, real world six weeks later was also not a surprise for many of us. Um, but it was really interesting that as soon as this stuff started coming out to the public that this simulation did happen, you have a lot of fact checks, um, articles that were written that were, you know, this was in no way, you know, predicting the coronavirus pandemic. Right. Because in the simulation, 65 million people died worldwide. And, you know, clearly doesn't quite add up to that in 2020. So the Center for Health Security also put on three previous exercises. Clade X, Dark Winter, and Atlantic Storm. <laughs> so Event 201 aimed to educate senior leaders at the highest level of U.S. and international governments and leaders in global industries. So the main thing that they wanted to do was inform the members of policy um, and preparedness communities and the general public, um, kind of like testing protocols, test, uh, technical policies, specific organization, kind of uh, making sure everybody had the medical countermeasures, um, kind of helping international policymakers gain a fuller understanding of the challenges that they would face in this scenario. So I guess... Um, I guess with the previous um, epidemics that Bill Gates had predicted in the like in the past, it was like flu or measles or Ebola that he was really um, talking about, and he's been predicting this kind of stuff since like 2013. Yeah, even now, earlier than that. I think. Hey, I have a, I have a question. Yeah. Was was Fauci yeah. at this uh, event 201? He was not. Oh no. That would have been a, a nice smoking it, gun, wouldn't it? No, yeah. It, I thought it was really interesting, though, that at the time, the CEO of the Bill and Linda Gates Foundation was Sue Desmond Hellman. Now, she was the CEO for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation from 2014 until um, <laughs> December 2019 when she stepped <laughs> down. <clears throat> then, April 2nd, 2020, Sue Desmond Hellman announced that she was elected to the Pfizer company, <laughs> company directors. Of course. So if you go on and you look at her profile on Wikipedia or, you know, her little biography, she has a very colorful and diverse uh, background. She was also appointed to the board of Facebook um, really? in March 2013, and she stepped down in October 2019. So another interesting thing um, 
coinciding with her stepping down was thousands of other CEOs stepping down in 2019 and 2020. Um, so there's a lot of speculation on what part of it might have to do with the fact that this was sort of predicted. Um, mm -hmm. At least that's what anybody who has a working brain can look at and see. Because well, you can see that CEOs obviously knew that something was coming. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you so. mentioned that because uh, that that's like the whole thing with Bill Gates right now uh, getting divorced and then um, and then Bezos getting divorced about like a year ago. Um, people are speculating that the markets are going to crash. So they it's an easy way for them to dump out, you know, a bunch of uh, stock and, uh, and really shelter themselves from a big, huge fallout. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that you, I was just going to say, because I remember when all of that was happening, like when all these guys were stepping down, because it, it was, they were doing yeah. it like, it was like four step down today. And then like yeah. the next day it was like five step down. And I remember yep. just like, it was just, you kind of lose track of it. Yeah. Like at least then. And they it, also just do like a quick blurb on the news. It's yeah. like, and the other today, thing is, it's not all huge. Yeah. Like they are Fortune 500 companies, right? That the CEO yeah. is stepping down. Except the other thing is, can you? Uh, I can't name ten Fortune 500. I mean, maybe I could ten. Yeah. And but they're all tech. That's the only reason I know tech, like, right? But I mean, like all these other ones are huge players. Like this should be so big, but it's just it's just weird that I remember when it was yeah. happening, you kind of just lose the uh, the impact on a day-to-day -day basis because it's like, oh, another yeah. five CEOs and like something was going on <laughs> looking back now. It's so yeah. easy. I'm sorry. but In, um, in January 2020, 219 CEOs of major level <laughs> companies stepped down as well. Is there any, is there, so. is there any research on like previous years or what, what's like an, is, do we have like any like plumb line of what's average for stuff, something like that? There was, a blurb in this article about how, let's see, um, the last time this number of CEOs stepped down was in the first three quarters of 2008 at the height of the Great Recession. So mm. there was wow. 1,132 CEOs who stepped down in 2008. Um, that year also had the highest CEO turnover um, since the firm began tracking departures in 2002. Hmm. So, um, and you know, this is a report published by the staffing firm Challenger Gray and Christmas. If you if you study the great the great the great recession, they call it. I love honey, that's yeah. hilarious. If you study that recession, which really came on the heels of Bill Clinton, uh, you know, in his policies, uh, but if you study that, Jimmy Carter, well, <laughs> it was two thousand. She she said two thousand eight. Yeah, it was right after the housing market burst and all that stuff. Yeah, but mm -hmm. but the whole thing because it had a lot to do with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I'm saying right now we're still. Uh, Oh, right. We're like right now we're feeling that we're still feeling effects of Jimmy Carter's second term. Oh so. right, <laughs> Jimmy Carter. I'm just going to throw that out. Yeah, isn't it ironic that he went to visit him? That that um, not my president Biden went to go visit them. Yeah, at the Carters at their house, and then gas prices immediately go mm -hmm. through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, sorry. So yeah, so, she looked like his wife. Uh, God bless her, Jimmy Carter's wife. They're 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 ancient, mm -hmm. but she looked like a puppet sitting next. She is. She looked they like both did. she looked like a yeah. Muppet. Like I expected, like 
a Muppet. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. There were fact checks on that picture. Did you see the fact check articles? That, yes, this photo is real, <laughs> even though it looks very distorted and warped. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, so man. I'm like, okay, so you're telling me it wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But yeah, if you if you uh, just on a side note, I'm going to do the side note stuff tonight. That's how I'm going to my part but uh now uh on a side note for that like the great recession there's a lot of conspiracy around that like why did it happen how did it happen who was getting paid the great reset no the great recession oh. of 2008 like oh, what okay. caused it and why it happened and the whole like who was yeah. who yeah. made money out of it and who you know all of that kind of stuff so um Man, that's cool. Okay, anything else, Rach, you wanted to talk about a little bit? I have one more thing, um, and it has to do with, uh, this is something that the nation found close to $2 billion in tax-deductible chari- charitable donations from the Gates Foundation to for-profit businesses, including the companies which the foundation held investments, <laughs> such as GlaxoSmithKline. So the top 10 corporate res- recipients took home more than half a billion dollars. So, uh, corporate recipients of the Gates Foundation charity are Novavax Inc., which took home nine, uh, 89 million, GlaxoSmithKline Biologicals, 65 million, Evotech and Just Biotherapeutics, 62 million, uh, Biological E Limited, 60 million. Uh, it, it goes on and on. <laughs> wow. Um, and then hundreds of millions of dollars that the Gates Foundation donated to companies in which the Gates Foundation held stocks or bonds. So, mm-hmm. Merck. Nine point four million, LG fifty three million, Sanofi three point five. It goes on. Pfizer, Philips, Unilever. It it goes on and on and on. So they have donated billions to companies in which they have investments and stock. So the whole Bill and Linda Gates Foundation is in and of itself uh, kind of fishy. Once you start digging into where all the money is going, yeah. he says obviously it's all for philanthropy, but is based off of the false premise that vaccines are actually beneficial because if you do any um, studies on the WHO website, you will see that the past, I believe, 65 epidemics of polio are vaccine-derived. Right. So most of the campaigns that he has run have eradicated, air quotes, the wild polio issue and now they're running with a vaccine strain that is actually worse than the wild polio issue. Wow. Um, similar thing happened with the HPV vaccine in uh, India. That company is actually working on lawsuits against Bill Gates because thousands of girls were crippled, um, suffered mm-hmm. extreme uh, paralysis, seizures. Seven of the girls, I think out of 23,000, that it was administered to, um, they died. Mm-hmm. So they're actually like pushing the HPV on girls and boys in middle school yeah. in America. I noticed that, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Didn't didn't sterilization wasn't that one of the results too of yes. that in India, like a big problem? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a huge issue, which is also based off of the false premise that it is causing cervical cancer. Um, and that's not the only issue. I mean, you have so many carcinogens <laughs> that people are putting all over their bodies that that's a bigger issue for things like cervical cancer than just the HPV virus, which right. everyone has lifting on them. So it's like you're, you're hit, trying to hit 
an ant with an atom bomb when you are going after a natural wild occurring virus with something that is bypassing all of the actual gateways that you would catch that virus and you're getting a neurotoxin sludge injected into you. Right. Um, and your body's like, what the heck am I going to do with this? And more often than not, it causes an autoimmune issue. Mm-hmm. And there are percentages in these vaccines. So more often than not, you're going to get a form of mutagenic problem, a.k.a. cancer, or weird gene mutations happening after the fact. So, like, the benefit is not worth it. And the fact that people are trying to make this out to be a savior and that Bill Gates is like great and so awesome for being a philanthropist and, you know, trying to go out and vaccinate the whole world. That's not why he's doing it. He's not doing it to be a philanthropist because if you actually look at the data of what is happening, it's not benefiting people. Mm -hmm. Right. So, right. Yeah. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it makes me very upset to talk about because these are children um, all over the world and people living in third world countries where in some cases they can't actually say no. Right. No, you're exactly right. They force it upon them because yeah. the philanthropists are patting the pockets of the government officials and so that they'll yep. force them to take the... Yeah. And I was going to say, I think I've told this story before or this anecdote before I, I was somewhere, or it doesn't matter where, but we were, I was at a place and there was a girl, it was a barbecue and there was a girl there who worked for, I want to say USAID or she had before, mm-hmm. like a, which is a government funded, uh, like an NGO. They like give it food and all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so she spent a lot of time in Africa and, uh, we, we were just straight up asked her. She was pr- pretty conservative, and we were like wondering, you know, we were trying to feel her out because we're like, oh, you work for these NGOs down in Africa, like doing all this weird stuff with the government and all, you know, like USAID. They're super, anyway. So we just straight up were like, hey, did you ever work with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? She was like, oh, yeah, they help fund a lot of the stuff that I was working with. And we just straight up were like, do they uh, forcibly, uh, what's the word sterilized women and there she was yeah. like yeah 100 she's like and they're in not in africa yeah. yeah they're open about it like they tell these women they say basically that there's a line they'll go to a village and they'll have all the families lined up and they tell the woman we're going to give you your kids all these shots are going to help you not die from all these you know malaria and all that stuff and they said and we're going to give you a shot so that you don't have any more kids and they're like, but we're going to give you like, and they have, she said that they would have backpacks with toys and stuff for the kids literally in front of them. They're like, this is for your family. You're not going to have any more kids, but we're going to like, if you do not want, if you agree and you want all the stuff that we're going to give you, you're going to take the shot and you're going to not going to wow. have any more kids. So just bribe them. Yeah, and then the, the and the, they're poor, they're dirt poor, they, so they have nothing. Yeah. So they're just like, well, okay, and then yeah. they get the shot and they go away. And she was like, they're very open about it; they don't try to hide it. So that is a real thing. Sorry, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and that's part of the the um the function where the antibodies that bind to um the 
sorry, the placenta forming um, protein. So you're, you're basically creating antibodies against your own placenta for the baby. Hmm. Um, so it doesn't necessarily even prevent pregnancy. Um, it just does not sustain the pregnancy. Um, Man. And this is in the cases where they're actually like telling people what's going on. In other yeah. cases, it's like, oh, this is something that's going to help you not get sick. But then they don't realize, wait a minute, now I'm sterile. Right. Um, yeah, it's like it's almost like it's a, a side effect to it that they yeah. don't warn them about or talk to them about. And by the way, I don't know if you've noticed a lot of these reports about the shedding and the bleeding, like yeah. the ran yes. rando just women bleeding. That like there was one woman hundreds. I, Hundred, yeah, maybe thousands. I read a, I read a, yeah. a, I saw one of a woman that was actually had a hysterectomy. She had had a had, had oh, a hysterectomy yeah. and she started bleeding. She's like, "Why am I bleeding? I don't even have a uterus." Mm. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, um, blaming it on the, you know, the old jabby jab. The spike protein is doing something, um, but yeah, that it happened to a personal friend. Um, oh really. She's pregnant um, and had major spotting. She was actually like past the first trimester too, and she thought she was going to lose the baby. Oh wow! But um, just from being around her grandparents, who had recently gotten it, um, and multiple friends of mine have experienced the major um, menstrual changes that are really abnormal for us because we're pretty healthy and we track this kind of thing. Right. So it was very abnormal. Um, but yeah, there's a surge of a lot of things happening and I don't think just because we don't know exactly the function of what's happening, I don't think that it would be unwise to kind of like, I don't know, have a hands off, you know, you just got that. Maybe we should wait a few weeks before, you know, we go say <laughs> hi to our grandparents and just for the sake of like, we're the experiment right now. Yeah. And for many of us, we're the control group. Um, yeah, well, who is seeing how we do without it. Yeah. You know? I'd rather take my chances without it. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good right now, you yeah. know? Um, man, I, 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 I tell you what. Um, yeah, and what's crazy too, you know, Rach, is that uh, when when they're selling these things to people, when they're telling them, it's like they mix it with all kinds of fear and, you know, like um, like – pressure them for like in like you have to do this now quicker sooner the better and get you back to normal and um people just don't even do the t take the time to do a little bit of research um oh yeah you know i and i don't know if anybody else listening has had this experience i'm not like a staunch anti-vaxxer like i mean what's crazy is that this has actually pushed me this whole event has pushed me now more i wouldn't say i'm anti-vaxxer i'm just like holy cow, what in the world has been happening? I wish I would have known this information when my kids were younger. You know, they're all older now. So, yeah. you know, like if I could go back in time, yeah. it's, you know, I probably would have, probably would have not gotten, <laughs> gotten any of the shots, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing is like, people think of it as such a backwards mindset, but literally as soon as you start looking into ingredients, all you have to do is grab a few of the manufacturer inserts and then there's going to be quite a few that you decide, mm, maybe we actually don't need this because the side effects and the long-term chronic effects right. are worse than the actual thing that it's yeah. supposed to protect against. In most, most cases, it doesn't. Yeah. But, um, 
but the thing is there's such a stigma attached to that name when in fact like you wouldn't like if you started thinking about it like you wouldn't want to mandate something across the board for everyone when it doesn't necessarily maybe maybe they don't need it you know maybe they have a adverse reaction to it like you wouldn't want to mandate Tylenol across the board to everyone to take every six months if some people have really bad reactions to Tylenol. Right. That doesn't make you anti-Tylenol. It just means you're anti-mandated Tylenol, right, you know? Right. So there needs to be a, a change in the discussion because people are, are afraid of being seen as backwards and anti-science when it should be okay to ask questions and maybe make an informed decision for your family before yeah. being pressured into making that's a right. very big decision that you might not know the full scope of. Well, what's funny? So. What's funny is, and Rosie, I don't know if you've had any discussions like this, but most of the most of the conversations I've had when people ask me directly, like, "Are you going to get the vaccine?" and and I basically just tell them, "No, I'm probably not going to get it," and I'm just cool about. it. I'm not like, "Heck, no, I ain't getting that." Are you crazy? No, I'm just like, "Nah, probably not." And the the next question they get is, "Why not?" Almost mm-hmm. like you are what is wrong with you? And, and when they say, why not? I say, well, I've just been doing a lot of studying and researching and I'm just not, I'm not convinced that, you know, and then, and then I follow up by saying, plus I'm not in the, I'm not in the danger zone. I'm not type two diabetic. I'm not elderly to that point. Mm. I am older, but, um, and, and also, uh, it's not FDA approved Mm. and you just start throwing little nuggets of truth out there to them like that. And, What's what sucks is a majority of the people that are have that attitude they've actually already gotten it, yeah. and so yeah. then then you start to be you're, you feel bad because you're like, you're not, I'm not shaming them. It, they asked no, me, and what that's the other thing too is that like get if you want to get it, get it. That's you. That's your decision. It's your life. You get to deal with the consequences of that. Go for it. I'm not going to tell you no. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. shame you. I'm not, but if I make the choice that's not the same as yours, you you have no right to make shame me or do anything like that. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. It, See, I don't. I, I, I think it makes people self conscious. Yeah. That you made a different decision that they did. Also, people are telling them that you are uh, <laughs> you're somehow a danger to them. Right. <laughs> because right. You didn't get yours. Right. Like, are you protected or are you not? <laughs> Sorry, Rosie, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. I was going to say, I'd do the complete opposite. I'd make my friends that have all gotten it feel very bad about themselves. I call that, I'm not even lying. I, uh, well, mine are family. I can't. Same with my family. Uh, I have family members that have gotten the vaccine. And I said, uh, well, at least, uh, you updated the will so that if all of you guys die, <laughs> I get all the stuff, right? In five years, I guess we'll, and, you know, then they say something like, well, we'll see who outlasts each other in five years. Right. Um, no. Thing. Like it's it's not even like you can see the manufacturers about this. Like do right. people not realize or do they just believe that it's perfect because it's <laughs> being advertised by the news? Yeah, well I was gonna yeah, I was gonna say and that's just joking around with like the family, but um yeah, I, I mean most of the people I, people don't ask me. Maybe I don't hang out with enough people <laughs> that I don't interact with enough people that ask if I've yeah. got the vaccine, but I was going to say, you, you said, well, kind of, what do I do? I just tell them straight up. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to be a, I, so I, some of the th- reasons that I say maybe more aggressively that I also make the points to my friends that have gotten it and like they apologize to me 
I got a friend that got the vaccine and I, wow. I was like, dude, you got the vaccine? And he was like, I didn't want to tell you about it. My wife made me get it. And I was like, called him a cuck. And then he started like <laughs> getting, feeling really bad about himself and all this stuff. Um, wow. But I tell, yeah, I, this is this is now my line because it's yeah. become so ridiculous. Yeah. That I say, no, I'm anti-science. I don't believe science. And they go, aha, you're joking. And I say, no, I don't. I'm being 100% serious. Anything that's not in the Bible, I don't believe. That's where I'm at at this point. <laughs> I'm not even, I've become so backwards. Like you were saying, you've slowly become to this place where right. you're more distrusting. Yeah. Like, I want to say like three, five years ago. Yeah. I was more like, I was more on the side of, uh, I don't want to say free market capitalist because maybe, uh, anyway, I was like, I don't really care. No, I, I think I've said it on this podcast. I might have you said. I think you have. I don't care about the planet enough. I'm like, well, why would I? It's something along the lines of like, why do I care now about leaving the planet for my great, great, great grandkids who I'm never going to meet and they're not going to know me? Like, I don't care. Like, I don't feel bad about doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and so that could probably be the other end of like the spectrum of my views have changed. But now I'm yeah. like, no, if I believe, I don't believe anything that science says because they're all liars. I completely distrust anything. Um, I believe that God made me how I'm supposed to be and the planet, like we are doing stuff obviously that is affecting our bodies. So like w there's probably stuff out there that is being, that is going to kill me. Uh, and my body is not able to, back off yeah just because of this how crazy it's gotten yeah oh, yeah. yeah no i straight up my yeah. thing is oh, absolutely. yeah i don't take vaccines because i'm anti-science and they're like oh you're anti-science i say yeah if it's not in the bible i don't believe it and they're like well that's pretty closed-minded and then i say i don't care right and then i call them a genetically modified organism because right. <laughs> i said like so i'm not that, even, I'm not even talking to a full human why don't yeah. you just uh and, I, and then i say you're not going to be able to go into heaven because you're not going to be redeemed oh jeez i say you know you're no that longer time out, time out. you can't do that <laughs> nope, theology's say, off theology no. alert no nope, i say listen answer, wrong answer. listen if i put moderna and that mrna vaccine in me that is literally called like an open op open source operating system that is designed by a human that means that there's the DNA within me is not 100% created by one creator only. God, boom, that's my argument. Yeah, but that's not the part that goes to heaven. So you, <laughs> you got It's fun to say, though. Right. <laughs> Your theology's a I little think, off. I think that there's some, there's some validity, though, to... I'm... I know. <laughs> but in trying to keep your body pure as a temple, right. like, there's a reason why we're not supposed to be shooting up in the you know back alleyway like there's a reason why we're not supposed to be like sleeping around like the things right. that impact our body like on it on an epigenetic level um those things impact future generations but they also impact our blood which is something that god's just we're supposed to keep pure we're not messing around with stuff like that we're not even supposed mm -hmm. to be like marking ourselves you know for dead bodies <laughs> but but Rachel. i think that that has to do with <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Which I, I have tons of tattoos, so I'm not gonna, you know, say that it's anti-tattoo. But there, there was a ritual. There was a pagan ritual that would involve ashes, probably mm -hmm. of dead people, right? Um, right, right. That you're putting in your body. So and and, and so keeping your blood pure 
and not inserting <laughs> other people's you gotta, blood. Yes, you got to. Well, <laughs> we're not <laughs> not in the Aryan pure way or anything like that. We're talking. No, no, about, no. Right? <laughs> no, not even pure, but just like just like not messing around with natural. Yeah, like as natural. Don't as be doing weird, weird stuff right. with your uh, body. And part yeah. of the thing that is kind of weird is injecting animal DNA, other human DNA, like genetically modified stuff into your body. Like right. it should be okay for me to say, Hey, I actually don't want to do that because I have a problem doing that. Right. Like I don't want to insert somebody else's DNA into my bloodstream if I don't know them. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, <laughs> um, and it's it like, should be okay to say that. It's like, buy me dinner first, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got off track here for a minute. <laughs> we don't know what that does. Oh, yeah. No, for real. <laughs> yeah. All but right. I, I just think that people, people right now, they kind of are like, they're putting way too much stock into it because they are viewing it as a savior. Mm, um, yeah. And sometimes the fact that you don't view it the same way is like cognitive dissonance and they're like, wait a minute. So I think that having these discussions is really good because a lot of people aren't aware that this stuff isn't conspiracy theories. Like you can go... You can look it up. You can use critical thinking and say, oh, wow, this actually happened. Yeah. What am I going to do about it? Like, yeah. people knew about this. People know more than is put out online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what am I going to do about it? So, let me, are you, is that good for you for the 201 stuff? You, I'm good. Okay. Because yeah. you made, you mentioned two major things there on the 201. I'm going to kind of try to pull us back towards what, what the focus of the podcast was initially. Although everything we just talked about was awesome because I, we, I needed to hear some of that and you guys both educated. I had me. to educate your theology real quick. Uh, no, no, I, <laughs> <Let me just. laughs> not that part, not that part. Uh, but, uh, so I, I went, Rose, I'll let you go last. Okay. Um, um, but I went, uh, I was looking at operation lockstep and it's interesting that at event 201, you, uh, you were talking about philanthropy, um, in particular and its role and kind of how, um, it was, there, it was kind of funding and uh, pushing the agenda in in the the in the in the studies that they do and that they were so uh, the lockstep study was done by the the Rockefeller Foundation um, in conjunction with um, oh let me see let me pull up my notes here real quick it was in conjunction with um, the uh, uh, da, 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 this future technology future of technology and international development was the other one so it was rockefeller and and a guy named peter schwartz who was the he's the founder or the president of that the co-founder of the global business network and uh yeah and so um basically operation lockstep is um it's a scenario where they play out uh the Rockefeller Foundation did this scenarios where they play out different scenes, scenarios of role playing of what would happen if we did this, what would happen if that and how we should respond. And the whole idea was to get different organizations to think with their imagination on how they would respond and what they should and, you know, kind of how things would work together once they um, attempt to um, once they're facing these these scenarios of pandemic and all of that kind of stuff. And I just want to read uh, something from the the lady. Um, her name is, um, and I'm sorry, I'm so lost here. I was, I, my notes got pushed away. Judith Roden, she was, she's the president of Rockefeller Foundation. 
She was the first female president of the Rockefeller Foundation, by the way. And it says the Rockefeller Foundation supports work that expands opportunity and strengthens resilience to social, economic, health, and environmental challenges, affirming its pioneering philanthropic mission since 1913 to promote the well-being of humanity. We take a synergistic strategic approach that places a high value on innovative process and encourages new ways of seeking ideas to break down silos and encourage interdisciplinary thinking. (laughs) It says this one last thing here. It says one important and novel, one important and novel component of our strategy toolkit is scenario planning, a process of creating narratives about future based, a future based on factors likely to affect a particular set of challenges and opportunities, we believe that scenario planning has great potential for use in philanthropy to identify unique interventions, simulate and rehearse important decisions that could have profound implications, and highlight previously undiscovered areas of connection and intersection. So basically they're creating scenarios where they're um, putting together a game plan for stuff. And so this particular operation lockstep is pretty interesting because um, it says uh, that, uh, oh, and then also the, the, the guy that um, Peter Schwartz from the global business network, he says it explores four very different, very possible scenarios for future of technology and development in order to illuminate the challenges and opportunities that may lie ahead. So, uh, they're talking about four different unique uh, challenges that they're going to face and how they would face them and what they would do. And so what's really what's really interesting is they they combined they combine a uh, a tragic moment or a pandemic or a planned event, as some people would say, along with philanthropy and technology. And then uh, they combine all of these things to push push culture and nations you know communities into a direction that they wanted to go so um what's really interesting is i made some highlights of of some of the scenarios um that they were putting up i got to go back down to my notes i had them all down here so it says uh lockstep is the first of the scenarios Mm -hmm. and it says it's a world of tighter top-down governmental control and more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like what we've been in for the last year, right? Yeah. And then the next one is called Clever Together. Hmm. And, and I, what it is, these, I think they just build on each other. Yeah. But it says Clever Together, a world, in which, a world in which highly coordinated and successful strategies emerge for addressing both urgent and entrenched worldwide issues. And then you have the next phase, which would be hack attack. And hack attack is an economically unstable and shock prone world in which governments weaken, criminals thrive, and dangerous innovations emerge. So it's almost like action reaction. And then lastly, they have the smart scramble. So this is the reaction to that. And it says an economically depressed world in which individuals and communities develop localized makeshift solutions to a growing set of problems. So it's interesting how the very first one, they call it lockstep, and it's in reference to getting everybody in the same direction, facing the same way, walking the same way, you know, thinking the same way, speaking the same way. And uh, what's interesting to me is that um, I think there was a 
um, uh, it, I don't know what it was, like a little video that was going around on Instagram about a year ago, and it was talking in reference these all these news reports mm. were going on, talking in reference to, um, I think it was the pandemic, but or the coronavirus, but they all literally said it was like fifty of them, and they all literally yeah. said the same exact phrase. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like this narrative was written for them, handed out, and then they spoke it and into the public. And um, and so this is why people are so skeptical because when they read these things and then they see what's happening and we have actual evidence, it causes like people to be like, what in the world is going on? Are they creating this problem so that they can get the control that they so desperately want? You know, are they playing with us? Is this like the elite of the elite and this is their you know their game of strategio stratego what what is that game that they used to play back in the day where you i don't know i'm not risk, old risk yeah. remember risk yeah or what's the one that what's the one that they play now the um the game that uh we, fortnite yeah <laughs> fortnite it is an it's a uh, what is it a um uh, when everybody dies what's it called uh, um it's the the type of game end game no, uh, yeah. what's it called? Because uh, I don't play battle Fortnite. royale. Battle royale, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a battle royale of life. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I just I, it's crazy to me. Um, like here's one of the things that they that they said would happen for like with China. Like just listen to what it says here, and this is their scenario that they came up with. And it says, China's government was not the only one that took extreme measures to protect its citizens from risk and exposure. During the pandemic, national leaders around the world flexed their authority and imposed airtight rules and restrictions from the mandatory wearing of face masks to body temperature checks at entries to communal spaces like train stations and supermarkets. Even after the pandemic faded, this this more authoritarian control and oversight of citizens and their activities stuck and even intensified. In order to protect themselves from the spread of increasingly global problems from pandemics and transitional terrorism to environmental crises and rising poverty, leaders around the world took a firmer grip on power. And it's like, um, like literally they're taking a, they're, this is happening. This is happening. Um, I went to go buy a couch like two months ago, and I walked into the to the place, and the guy holds up something to my forehead, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm taking your temperature." And I was like, "I didn't give you permission to do that." And my wife's like squeezing my hand, like, "Stop, please." And I was like, "I didn't give you permission." He goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and he took it back down. Yeah. And I go, "I'm not sick, I'm fine," and I just walked right on in, and uh, like that's my response to it. I don't know. I mean. Maybe I was being like a jerk, yeah. but you didn't ask to take my temperature and don't be pointing something at my forehead because mm-hmm. I'm a concealed carry guy <laughs> and this is a state where it's legal. So you might not uh, want to keep pointing something at me. Um, could be a threat. Mm. I, I yeah. would view it. <laughs> you would do it? I'd, I'd view it as that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'd like, back you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call me on the witness stand. Yeah, I was there. So pulled he pulled a gun. He pulled, he pulled something point right at his forehead. The guy didn't have a chance. The he, just, he just didn't have a chance. He thought he thought he was being a, you know. I hopped up. in. I shot him a couple times too. <laughs> when I heard the gunfire, I just, <laughs> I just, I just thought he was at risk. Guy, yeah. Oh, man. So it's, um, so this whole lockstep, I'm not going to go too much in it because we've already been going for almost an hour and I want to give you a moment, Rosie. But mm. um, what these scenario narratives that they put together, um, it's literally, uh, the it's the, the 
coming together of governments, technology, and philanthropy. And the philanthropy is really the money that, that, and so this is what I've come to decide is that I think, just like I was saying earlier, money has been a big problem with this because they're buying, Mm. they're literally like these governors of states that are out of control. I really believe that they're, they're in the pockets and who are they in the pockets of? Well, that's debatable, but more than likely the big pharma at some level has, has them on something, you know, and payola. I don't know how to, I don't know what I can and can't say here, whether it's going to get us flagged or we're probably getting, man, we've been so open. Dude, they're just going to cut off their adrenochrome supply. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. For real though. <laughs> For real. Big I'm not, pharma pushing the adrenochrome. I know. I know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so um, I did, I did, um, let's see, I highlighted something here uh, I was going to read real quick. It says, in the aftermath of pandemics, uh, pandemics, pandemic scares, smarter packaging for food and beverages is applied, first by big companies and produced in a business-to-business environment and then uh, adopted for individual products and consumers, new diagnostics and developed, developed to detect in, in communicable diseases, the application of health screening also changes. Screenings become prerequisite for releasing from hospital or prison, successfully slowing the spread of any disease. Telepresence technologies uh, expand to, for the demand of less expensive, lower bandwidth, sophisticated communication systems for popular populations whose travel is restricted. Um, driven by protectionism and national security concerns nations create their own independent regionally defined it networks mimicking china's firewalls governments have varying degrees of success in policing internet traffic but these efforts nevertheless fracture the world wide web so it looks like uh in this scene they're in this scene that they have here for it they're it looks like they're predicting that they're gonna start to splinter the world wide web which in some ways would be good i don't know (laughs) But but what's going to come from that? So then they're going to start making isolated, highly observed and controllable internet services so that if I get on it, I can't say certain things. It's very censored. And we're already moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. You know, in reference to this whole thing, like the whole, I was just, just literally referencing, we've been speaking so open on this podcast that we'll probably get flagged and we'll probably, you know, YouTube did that to us already once. Uh, we'll probably get, flagged and maybe not even able to make it to youtube which is fine with me i don't care um no offense to our youtube listeners but but you know that's just an add-on that we do but you'll get censored and isn't it crazy to think that doctors that want to go against the narrative uh you know physicians who are trained in this that go against the narrative are censored their their twitter accounts are you know blocked um or you know completely just just completely gone um erased uh if you have anything online it's gonna you say certain words it's flagged um people are going through great extents great uh extents to hide and speak the truth but hide it from the ai so Mm -hmm. they're like writing it down in cursive because ai hasn't learned cursive because nobody writes in cursive anymore and you know things like that that are happening it shouldn't that be a red flag to everybody like how come one side is allowed to say something but the other side's not and if the other side's not what is it that they don't like about it other than the fact checkers are saying it's true which we're finding out the fact checkers are on the payroll of soros and these guys as well so yeah it's like 
This is crazy. So that's the basic of lockstep. It was basically get everybody on the same page, walking in the same direction and and uh, saying the same things and all of that. You know, that was the basic of it. Um, and you can find it. You can find the actual PDF. It was difficult to find. Um, it took me a minute. Um, but once I did find it, I downloaded it, made it a PDF. And so I could always have it like it matters. But who knows? Yeah. It does help people when they don't believe you and you can send them a document and like oh yeah check this out yeah you know? yeah i was gonna say i have a couple thoughts one of the things uh david ike is a uh, prolific i don't want to say conspiracy theorist but truth or whatever i don't know i don't even know what term i like dude dude that talks about stuff yeah he, he termed uh, he's og he yeah oh yeah 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 he uh they basically like what you're describing he termed problem problem reaction solution yeah which i was just gonna say like a very easy way problem is create a problem reaction escalate fear solution is then they offer a pre-planned solution right that it makes it feel like the people uh are asking for and so or you're the savior the government's fixed the problem right that they themselves create create. so that's so that's this whole loop that we keep seeing I was going to say, uh, just on top, you were talking a lot about the money and doing that. I remember that video where it started off with like one person saying the, yeah, we have to get you, you know, whatever this saying. And then it like split to like a second camera with the news stations. Yeah. And then it was like four, 16, 32, you know, like all these things. Yeah. And then it was like 50 of them all on one screen saying the exact word for word thing. In sync. Yes. Right. Right. Same cadence and everything is when like not only is the media i think people don't really understand this but you were so we're talking about big media big money uh, funding philanthropy parties and uh, parties as in uh, groups that right pay other stuff is that i was just reading something about where it's specifically talking about george soros who's just one of these guys but you know people were talking about the rockefellers so the rockefeller foundation is like George Soros is not the only big billionaire that does it. The Ford Foundation, mm-hmm. Henry Ford, who was like super based and like pro America, you know, like stuff. <laughs> he was a good dude. Like he'd be rolling over in his grave. And if you start looking into other, there's other groups, is the point I'm trying to make outside of like that fund all these operations and think tanks and stuff like that. But so that, that also give a lot more money. That like the Ford Foundation, don't like so. I think they're like the highest, aren't they? Like just for example, Black Lives Matter. Everyone keeps saying, just this is just an example. I'm kind of off on a rabbit trail a little bit, but so George Soros funds, you know, gives five hundred million, whatever, all this stuff to the Black Lives Matter. The Ford Foundation gave like a billion dollars. So there are big groups that maybe you've never heard of the Rockefellers. So look into the Rockefellers. Look into the history of the Rockefellers and all their stuff there's big other global elites other than george soros he's a bad one though but george soros in particular i was just reading this like expose i don't know article is talking that people may not understand is they set up these journalist foundations or stuff or internships stuff like that these foundations these groups that new journalist people in college out of college right out of college get into and then they're literally told, like, 
we're going to pay you all this money. You know, like we're going to fund you. We're going to put you in positions at newspapers and all these stuff that are all owned by billionaires and people that are all pushing the same agenda. Yeah. And they go and write the stuff that they're given. So like when you're saying this is just the whole point to when all these things are being done, it, it, it doesn't. I kind of want to bring it back maybe a little bit to reality just so people can understand or maybe this is a way that's maybe will help you listener if you have a hard time explaining these kind of concepts where you're like oh so like five billionaires control all of the media and all this stuff it doesn't take like yes they do right yeah (laughs) Yeah. yeah, so that is a point but these local nation stations and stuff like that all they need is one journalist or one person that writes an article for the Washington Post or the St. Louis Tribune or Orlando Star or whatever to get like for them to publish it. Yeah. So that's how so there is an agenda that's being pushed. This is real stuff. Like these operation lockstep's. Right. This stuff is true and it doesn't have to be it is on a huge systemic level, but it doesn't mean that there's every single person in media in or, every or, single yeah. newspaper or yeah. every single radio station or every single one that is all on the payroll right. all it takes is one or two at every place and mm-hmm. that's a couple hundred people in key spots in key spots right that push this agenda so this is so uh, i was just trying to give that as kind of uh apologetics for conspiracy right. theory of how to maybe kind of and the rockefellers are notorious for this yes they will literally buy themselves into the yeah. medical industry, the, yeah. the education system, right. the banking system. And they literally buy themselves into key positions mm-hmm. so they can actually control it from the inside. Yeah. And that's the, the Rockefellers are notorious for that. They're yeah. one of the 14, you know, yeah. <laughs> families that the Astors, the. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So, what oh, you, what, so me. You want to, yeah, you want to. Well, I was going to say, Rachel, do you have anything to add to that? I'm sorry, I went off on a. Uh, no, I, I just was thinking George Soros has the um, Open Society Foundation, which uh, makes grants to advancing justice, education, public health, and independent media, civil society groups around the world. They um, were behind a lot of the crisis actors mm-hmm. that were um, going to all the different rallies and marches and stuff in 2020. There were Craigslist ads mm-hmm. um, for being a protester and paid actor during all these things. There were people who were seen at different rallies. Um, and Open Society Foundation was funding protesters on literally all sides. Like, anywhere there was a rally, essentially. Like, women's marches, but also, like, conservative marches. So, it's, I mean, $15 an hour, you know, pretty tempting. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's influencing it's influencing a lot of people because can you get it's your, being televised. Can you get your SAG card for that? Yeah. <laughs> you, you mean <laughs> Screen yeah, Actors I, Screen Actors Guild. What about Film Actors Guild? More like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's from uh, Team America. Is it from Team America? Yeah. I like that. I forgot about that. It might take a minute to yeah. realize what I just Yeah. yeah. <laughs> more apt alright so <laughs> on that note on that one I'm just having fun man I'm, I'm enjoying this it's I'm been so long since we I know it's been so this long this is kind of a mess but I think everyone's <laughs> enjoying it okay 
So I was looking for, was looking into, so we already talked about uh, event 201, which is what Rachel talked about. And then I, I just want to kind of separate that because there is agenda or you uh, event 201. And now I'm going to talk about agenda 21, which is a con- an early version of agenda 2030. Okay. So they're kind of, you can't really talk about one without the other. So for the sake of listener to keep track of everything, just kind of 2030 is just think of it as like the new, okay, I'll, uh, uh, this is easy. It's like the date 2030, uh, is that what it references? The, yeah, the yeah, year? The yeah, year? Okay. so Agenda 21, uh, I'm just going to the Wikipedia page on it because it's the easiest, is a non, non-binding action plan in the United States in regards to sustainable development, right? It was a product of the Earth Summit, which was held in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 1992. Hmm. Um, it says one major objective of Agenda 21 initiatives, initiative is that every local government should draw its own local Agenda 21. Its aim initially was to achieve global su- sustainable development by 2000 with the 21 in Agenda 21 referring to the original target of the 21st century. So basically, they came up with this thing in 1992 um, to sustainable development. That's how they kind of, again, Rachel kind of talked about this stuff. Sustainable, we care about people. It's development, you know, like the poor people. We want to help all this stuff. It's just how they go about different stuff. So this is another thing that's interesting that I think people, there's a thing called Agenda 21 for Culture that they came up with in 2002 which is a whole different thing, but it's basically this agenda. They all met at the summit and 173, I think it was, uh, countries all signed leaders of all these countries signed. And again, it keeps going back to it's non-binding, even though all the leaders are signing, agreeing that they're going to do it. You know, we like, for example, we couldn't do this. just for like reference to people non-binding when they keep talking about that because you'll if you look into this stuff it's going to keep saying it's going to call you conspiracy theorists first of all far right neo-nazi whatever it's going to keep saying it's non-binding it's non-binding it's non-binding meaning that like just because all they agree to it and everything what that means is like it's not a law that went through the congress of our country so that's kind of what they they're talking about there as kind of a thing to throw off people. So Agenda 21 was in 1992. Uh, the Agenda 2030 is, a, it's called the Sustainable Development Goals or Global Goals, which is 17 interlinked global goals designed to be a blueprint, quote, a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. These were set up in 2015 by by the United Nations General Assembly and are intended to be achieved by the year 2030. So that's where the year 2030 comes in. Gotcha. So it's basically an updated version. And I think an easy way to kind of explain it is uh, they weren't able to get it done by 2000. So they're (laughs) readjusting, looking at it. Pushed it back. And pushed it back a couple decades. So, Okay. Let me uh, 
wanted to read this uh, article. Uh, first, kind of talk about Agenda 20. It, it's going to be kind of over the place because there's so many different things. But yeah. uh, So this is interesting of kind of before we set all this stuff up. So if you know what the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center is, it's a super far left, like, you know, billionaire funded group that says they're, you know, originally started to help poor uh, black people in the South, like with law. And now they have nothing to do with it. But they're one of these biggest uh, disseminators then within the ADL of uh, fact checking stuff. Yeah. But I just want to go ahead and say something about this because this is interesting. If you read, they have an article which I'm going to read from about Agenda 21. Like, this isn't just something and stuff that we didn't... We, it, okay, whatever. I'm just going to read from here. You'll see what I'm talking about. It, it says, Agenda 21 is not a treaty. It has no force of law, no enforcement mechanisms, no penalties, no significant funding. It is not even a top-down recommendation, seeking instead to encourage communities around the world to come up with their own solutions to overpopulation, <laughs> pollution, poverty, and resource depletion. It is a feel-good guide that cannot force anyone anywhere to do anything. Yet, Alabama has passed a law meant to outlaw any effects of the plan. The legislatures of Kansas, New Hampshire, and Tennessee all passed law, passed state resolutions condemning it. Wow. Similar needless, quote-unquote, laws have been approved by one chamber of the legislatures in Arizona, Missouri, and Oklahoma. Uh, it says political fights over it have broken out in at least a half half a dozen other states and countless local communities. So it's going ahead and saying, like, don't worry about this stuff. And this article was written in 2014. States have put laws into place outlawing this stuff. So if, right. if these people didn't actually think that there is something going on, just well, think why about would they take preemptive action. Think to, about yeah. there's some law. So there yeah. might be something to it about what we're going to talk about. You yeah. Know? Um, okay. So for 2030, uh, one of the, okay, I'm not going to go into that plan. So the agenda 2030, I'm going to, uh, I want to kind of like read this article. This is the kind of idea behind it and uh, propaganda. You might've re remembered reading this. If you saw this article, which has now been pulled down, uh, it was published uh, 2016 uh, by the World Economic uh, <laughs> uh, World Economic Forum, which was pushing the Great Reset, which Klaus Schwab uh, is founder and yeah. in charge of all that. But it says, "Welcome to 2030. I own nothing. I have no privacy, and life has never been better." It says, welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say, quote, our city. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. Wow. It may seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in the city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things become free, so it ended up not making sense for us to own much. Um, let's see. For, first, communication became digitized and free to everyone. Then, when clean energy became free, things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. It made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we could call a car, a, 
we could call a driverless vehicle or a flying car for a journey longer than a few minutes. We started transporting ourselves in a much more organized and coordinated way when public transport became easier, quicker, and more convenient than the car. Now I can hardly believe that we accepted congestion and traffic jams, not to mention the air pollution from combustion engines. What were we thinking? Blah, 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 blah. This is interesting. The death of shopping. Shopping? I can't really remember what that is. Uh, And just all this stuff. So, and look at they are bragging about you know this kind of stuff the a member from par- of parliament from denver like is quoted in this article it says welcome to 2030 i own nothing i have no privacy and life has never been better so that's kind of like the <laughs> no idea. privacy yeah so th- that article i just read or quoted from is like more propaganda of the ideas of like they they are all spelling it out. I think we talked earlier about yes. this, about why, you know, why would it make sense for these elites to like add all this stuff up? Why would they tell us? Why would they publish, uh, study. you know, the yeah. agenda 201 or uh, Operation Lockstep? Why would they talk about all this stuff um, so that we could read it? You know, doesn't that mean that like we'll take up, you know, we'll be able to stop it because we know their plans. You know, I don't know, but that's kind of an idea of well, what I, you know, I was, that's a, I, you probably really by the way, great, <laughs> we're going to get trampled by the, uh, Rosie, you can't show me, he, the listener doesn't know it. You just showed me a picture of something. Don't say it like that. Of someone. Dan. Yeah. Dan. Uh, uh, what, what I was going to say is, uh, so on some of the, um, on some of the, Whenever they, so I've heard that they have to t- like broadcast or tell us what they're going to do. Like for like, okay, so from the spiritual side of things, mm-hmm. for the the rituals and for the power in the rituals to happen, that they get more power when someone's willing to participate in it. And so when they tell us what they're doing, it's almost like um, when you go to see like a, a magic show and he's like, I'm going to make this quarter disappear. And then... He goes and d- and does his little magic trick, sleight of hand, and then it pulls it out of the ear of the kid next to you or whatever, you know. And it's like, I made the quarter disappear, and because of that, it almost puts you in the mindset of like, he's this is something. This quarter is going to disappear, mm-hmm. and I wonder if like when they tell us these, they broadcast with these like you know the lockstep agenda twenty thirty on the event two hundred one. Um, the spar the spars one that they just recently came out. If they're not telling us, and it's like the magic trick, we're going to make this quarter disappear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this quarter disappear, and it's going to you know or whatever. I'm going to make a rabbit pull out of this hat. And I wonder if they're not conditioning us and using it as part of the rich ritual. Yeah. In the spiritual side of things, this this magic that happens, you know. I mean, and I don't mean to cut you off into that, but you have to believe in some kind of the magic because literally you were talking about only believing what the Bible says. Well, when you get into the book of Exodus, mm-hmm. the Pharaoh's magicians were doing some pretty radical things. I love that. That's, I always point to that. Yeah. They were. I mean, they turned water to blood and they were able to duplicate the the snake and the staff into snake. I mean, there were, there were some pretty incredible things that they were powerful to do. Now, it was nothing for God to automatically overcome them and he then he does the plagues and they can't you know they're like screwed at that point but but my thing is is that there is power behind this stuff 
So there's a spiritual side to it. Obviously, Satan's at, got the puppet yeah. strings on all of it, you know. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I was going to say, I, I love, that's my go-to example. Whenever I'm talking to people at church and they don't, they're like, yeah, I can't really get in. Or like, oh, I'm talking about the Nephilim. You know, like, right. I'm like, dude, he was just talking about the Nephilim. Like, you know, I'll make like some comment to someone. They're like, what are you talking about? Right. Or, you know, we get into all this stuff. That's, I always, that's my go-to example. I'm like, uh, Exodus, when Moses, when Moses, it was like, do you believe in the Bible that it's not lying? Right. And it's like, well, yeah. Okay. And it's like, okay. Do you believe that Moses, when it said Moses, God turned Moses's staff into a snake and it ate the other staves that have become into snakes? Yeah. I'm like, well, did God turn their staves into snakes? Into snakes? Right. Well, no. <laughs> but they turn into snakes, right? Because that's what the Bible says. And it's like, well, yeah. And you're like, then where did that power come from? There's obviously other powers. There's bad powers that aren't from God. So, and then they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. But then, you know, I'm not going to talk about the Nephilim because that's weird. But right. that's a whole other <laughs> right. point. But yeah. And the whole, yeah. I, I think we talked about it before. The if you it doesn't matter if you believe in this stuff it's important for us to know about this stuff right because they believe in it right that's so exactly that's exactly it right. doesn't matter if like them putting doing casting some spells if there's really no power in it and we have a power that's greater than that power you know god's power is above everything else it's incomparable right but there that's is right. other power that they can draw on and uh yeah if you may think that like all this stuff is nonsense but the the people that are doing it are going to great lengths to do it that's right so you need to know that they believe in it it doesn't matter if you believe anyway no you're right you're right yeah okay so i'm going to go back to operation T agenda 20 30 21 or 2030 sorry yeah so the key point in all of these things, uh, and I read it really briefly, is there's se there's 17 of these uh, so-called global goals, okay? Wow. And uh, so this is like the whole thing. Like you can go to their, the UN, like if you just type in Agenda 2030, it'll bring you there. You can read all these things. But at the same time, uh, there's like a translation that I found <laughs> You'll, you'll see what I say. Okay. So I'm going to read through these lists, and then it's going to have a little – this is what it actually means. So the goal number one is to end poverty in all its forms everywhere. Translation, and this is how they talk about what – so this is how the UN go, goes ahead and is talking about implementing and changing all these things. So ending poverty, they talk about centralized banks being the you know the IMF, the World Bank – and the Fed to control all the finances, and they want a digital one-world currency in a cashless society. Wow. So that's what they talk about. Goal number two, ending hunger, achieve food security, and improve nutrition, and to promote sustainable agriculture. What do they mean by that, or how are they going to implement that? How do they talk about that? GMOs. Right. So... <laughs> And bugs. We have to eat bugs. And bugs, yeah. And, and near meat or whatever it's called. Yeah. Beyond, beyond beef or whatever. Yeah, right. Okay. Goal number three was the to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. And uh, what the translation means, mass, vac mass vaccinations. 
Goal number four, mm -hmm. ensure inclusive and equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities for all. It says the uh, translation is UN propaganda and brainwashing through compulsory education from cradle to grave. Uh, goal number five, achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. Po the translation, population control through forced, quote, family planning. Well, wait, wait. They're going to have to adjust that one. They're going to have to put a little asterisk there. Because oh. there's way more than just two genders. I got I got more about that. Oh, yes. okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, goal number six, ensure availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. It says the translation, pri pri privatize all water sources and don't forget to add fluoride. Goal number seven, ensure access to affordable, reliable, sustainable, and modern energy for all. Smart grid with uh, smart meters on everything, peak pricing. So are you, as we're starting to get into all these things, I hope people are remember back to that article that I that the World Economic Forum, the people that put forth the idea of the Great Reset stuff that we talked about a couple months ago. Yeah, and that article I just read where I don't own anything, I have no privacy. Yeah, this is so. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, goal number eight: promote sustained, inclusive, and sustainable economic growth, full and productive employment, and decent work for all. Uh, it says the translation is TPP, the free trade zones that favor, favor mega corporate interests. Mm. Uh, goal number nine, build resilient infrastructure, promote inclusive and sustainable industrialization and foster innovation. Uh, translation, toll roads, push public transport, remove free travel and economic restrictions. Goal number 10, wow. reduce inequality within and among countries translation even more regional government bureaucracy like a mutant octopus <laughs> a mutant octopus i like that goal number 11 make cities and human settlements inclusive safe resilient and sustainable translation big brother big data surveillance state yeah uh that's right. goal number 12 ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns translation forced austerity <laughs> goal 13 Almost at the end. Take urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts. Uh, translation, cap and trade, carbon taxes, credits, footprint taxes. Goal number 14, conserve and sustainably use the oceans, seas, and marine resources for sustainable development. Translation, environmental restrictions, control all the oceans, including the mineral rights from ocean floors. Gosh. Goal 15, protect, restore, and promote sustainable use of terrestrial ecosystems, sustainably manage forests, combat desertification, cert, as in desertification, yeah. deserts, and halt and reverse land degradation and halt biodiversity loss. Translation, more environmental restrictions, more controlling resources and mineral rights. New Green Deal. Yeah. Whatever. Exactly. Number 16, promote peaceful and inclusive societies for sustainable development, provide access to justice for all, and build effective, account accountable, and inclusive inner institutions at all levels. Translation, UN quote-unquote peacekeeping missions, the International Court of it's a <laughs> Blind Justice, force hmm. people together via 
and this is there is before this uh before covid and all that stuff there's a lot of stuff this is the key point that a lot of people were talking about a whole other thing that we probably don't want to get into but they were talking about this agenda before in a different means because of this one so remember promote peaceful and inclusive societies for sustainable development blah 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 blah. so it's uh force people so what they're really their goal is to force people together via fake refugee crisis crises and then mediate with more quote-unquote un peacekeeping when tension breaks out to gain more control over a region and then another one remove the second amendment in the usa but that's a key point that Remote a lot of people, one. yeah, a lot of people are reading about that they they do talk about outside of just trying to do all this stuff. Um, if you guys want to read more about that and about the refugee crisis, there's this uh, thing that I was thinking about talking about. But if you want to go look it up, it's called the Calergy Plan, K A L E R G I Plan. Uh, I don't want to go into that, but go into it because go read about that because it's, it's part of this as well. Okay. Um, goal number 17. Sorry. Strengthen the means of implementation and revitalize the global partnership for sustainable development. Translation, remove national sovereignty worldwide, promote globalism under the authority and the bloated Orwellian bureaucracy of the UN. So, that's all their stuff. Those that's speaking of the UN. Yes. Uh, the UN property was donated by the Rockefellers. Oh, of course. Yeah. Some people don't realize that. Yeah. I was going to say, I have this whole other um, thing that was put out. Uh, do you guys want me to keep going about some yeah, yeah. This other stuff? You mind? Do you have anything you guys want to hop in? I've been talking for like last half hour. I'm, I'm listening. It's good. But. Okay. Um, no, I don't have anything. <laughs> I'm sending you guys random stuff about the um, railway development, the high-speed railway development in Australia and how it coincides directly with where all the wildfires have been over the past few years. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really interesting. But, um, again, just things you can look up that are really fishy. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, well, I found this really interesting thing. It's a PDF thing. It's an analysis of the UN 2030 Sustainable Development Agenda. And then that's a title, subtitle, The Hidden Threats to Life, Family, and Children, which was put forth from the – I don't know anything about this organization, but just reading quickly, they're super pro-family because they're called Family Watch International. (laughs) And uh, the president of this – is on the UN Family Rights Caucus. So, but anyway, she put forth this whole thing. Um, so I'm going to, I just highlighted, uh, let me just read right here. Um, it says, uh, they're talking about the 2030 agenda. The report begins with a brief summary of the general nature of the 2030 agenda and then prevents, presents an in-depth analysis of the SDG uh SDG is Sustainable Development uh, Goals. Okay. Or, uh, what? I always forget that. Sus- 
It's SDGs are the uh, sustainable development goals. Yeah. Okay. The things that they set up and everything. Um, targets and indicators that can be easily used to advance controversial sexual rights relating to abortion, uh. sexual orientation, gender identity, and explicit and harmful sexual sexuality education for children. Multiple examples are provided showing how UN agencies, including UN Women, UNFPA, UNDP, UNESCO, UNICEF, and OHCHR, in cooperation with the UN member states, are complicit in promoting a radical sexual rights agenda and how, based on their own revealing documents, they will likely interpret internationally ambiguous terms in the SDG goals targets and indicators to advance controversial rights of most concern. However, are the open-ended terms in the 2030 agenda that can be easily used to advance dangerous, comprehensive sexuality education that sexualizes children and indoctrinates them with radical sexual and gender identities. So there's stuff in here. Um, so let me, let me scroll down a little bit. It says, on a positive note, after a much heated debate among stakeholders, explicit references. So this is originally what was in the UN Agenda 2030. So keep this in mind again. I read through all those goals. Yeah. This is about sustainable development. This is about saving, uh, you know, it's supposed to be about feeding homeless people or, you know, feeding poor people and all that stuff. So it says, on a positive note, after much heated debate among stakeholders, people involved in the writing of this thing, explicit references to controversial terms such as, quote, abortion, quote, sexual orientation, quote, gender identity, quote, sexual rights, and, quote, rights related to, quote, sexual and reproductive health and comprehensive sexuality, sexuality education were negotiated out of the final outcome document. On the negative side, hidden references advancing these concepts are replete throughout the 2030 agenda. Also, provisions calling for the protection of the family, recognizing the role of family in development, reinforcing the rights and the role of parents with regards to their children, and provisions encouraging respect for religious and cultural val values were all rejected during UN negotiations, despite wow. repeated call for their inclusion by multiple UN member states. So I just thought that that was really interesting that they have all this stuff and this um, document just, it has a ton of really great examples. Um, but yeah, I, I just found that really interesting that this, uh, again, this, you know, these agenda that is supposed to be about, you know, feeding homeless people and, helping poor African, you know, people, I'm not trying to say the derogatory, poor people in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, what this has to do with having all this stuff about LGBT education and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Maybe they're trying to cover all their bases, but it sounds, if all countries are supposed to be implementing these sustainable mm -hmm. development goals, then it's almost like it's trying to create like a cookie cutter society mm -hmm. in every single country. So if every single country looks exactly like the other one and you're not even making allowances for like cultural differences and religious belief differences, 
historical differences, mm-hmm. then if the whole world is somehow acting in a cohesive manner, then <laughs> right. I don't know. Like, does that sound like does that sound like the way that we want to be moving towards? I suppose in a progressive mindset, then yes. Um, however, you're erasing so much culture and history and the things that actually make our world so interesting. Exactly. And you're moving a lot closer to what some might call a one world <laughs> government. <laughs> right. Because at the at the top of this, who is enforcing everything? Mm-hmm. Like, what if there are some countries that decide that they don't want to do it? Which, I mean, there are some states that have decided that already. So what if there are some countries that they bar it off completely? Are they going to be labeled backwards? Are they going to be labeled, you know, bringing everyone else down? And the one country that sticks out like a sore thumb when the rest of everyone is completing all these sustainable development goals? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, it's the same thing as what happens today. It's peer pressure and what penalty will they face? Will they not be able to trade with those other countries? Will they be even more isolated? And they'll find a way to hurt them. They're, you know, It'll be like extreme media pressure and <laughs> hit pieces. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's the way... What's crazy about all of this is that when you you mentioned in there like the one world currency, like all of this stuff was prophesied two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and it kicked off in Genesis six. Like, why are we, why are, why is there, you know? And look, look at it works hand in hand with biblical is, ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, the less people know their Bible, the uh, yeah. the more opportunities for these things to get a foothold and move into that those agendas forward. Mm-hmm. You know. So, and more and more people are starting to see this as a good idea, including believers. But in the end times, people are going to be given over to a depraved and debased mind, and it's it's almost like you're less sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting of, "Hey, this is you know sounding some alarms here." Instead of that, you're just like, "Okay, what is the rest of the world doing?" Because I want to be doing that. Yeah, and that and that's the thing is that Christians will stand in the way of this. moving forward yeah absolutely because we you know autonomy and sovereignty like we believe in these things and mm-hmm. and <clears throat> let's be honest i mean communism is the doorstep to this whole thing right they just you know it's and so they've been trying to indoctrinate the younger children in schools with you know communism socialism is okay it's a good thing capitalism is evil and bad, you know, and yes, they all have their evil sides of things. You know, when you put wicked men into any type of authority, uh, they're going to make it wicked. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it works, you know, but I would take capitalism over socialism any day, mm-hmm. any day, 100% any day. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, I was going to say, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, I guess I'll end it with that is, yeah, uh, obviously, you know, you can read this, uh, read all these, read the Agenda 2030, all about helping the poor people and, you know, that kind of stuff. Again, why does it have in that, in, because the whole thing is their document is like hundreds of pages long Yeah, when it goes into all the stuff. And, you know, there's other talks other than, you know, but just what I read about how, they remove specific stuff at the, you know, 
fighting, the infighting of the people that were there signing about it, and they still leave all these loopholes open for right. uh, child sexual education. You know, what does this have to do with, you know, all, all this stuff? Sustainable, you know, yeah. uh, uh, earth that's inhabited and equity and all of that stuff. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, I I tell you, you're exactly right. There, there's there's loopholes, and they try and they're just going to push it forward. Look, we know it's going to happen at some point, mm-hmm. but we need to we need to be wise about it and stand as much as we can. And so, for the believer, like Rachel, you just keyed on something really there. It's like the believer needs to be your. You have to read the Bible. You have to have your spirit fed by God's word, so that you will you will have wisdom. From on high, mm-hmm. you know, James says that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you impartially. And the, that means it comes from God. And the best way to get God's wisdom is through God's words. And so read his Bible. I mean, I know I'm getting preachier at the end of this hundred or hour and 40 minutes that we've been going on, but it it has to be that way. And for the church to be asleep and deceived into following into these things. Um, and I'm not just talking about like getting a jabby jab, you know, but do some research before you just jump on board with what the rest of the world is doing. Mm-hmm. Take a minute, look, look into it because there is, there is, there are nefarious individuals working with groups of people that have agendas that are not for your best interest. And you have to come to terms with that. I know that sounds crazy, but um, you know, <laughs> there's been worse that's been happening mm-hmm. <laughs> and has happened. Anyways, so I put I made little notes on my surface. Philanthropy plus technology plus government control equals new world order. Yeah, <laughs> that's what the big I big gay. <laughs> the big gay. Yeah. So well, that man, it, it's been a long. It's been long. It's been a long podcast. Mm-hmm. You guys did some great research there. I really appreciate you guys digging in and doing what you did. I mean, you're, you said yours was hundreds of pages for the agenda 2030. No, no uh, I didn't do hundred pages. I didn't no, read all this. But I mean, it, it is though, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine was like 55 pages yeah. for, for the lockstep. And I know, Rachel, I don't know how big yours was, but I'm sure it was, it was pretty deep. And I will say I did not watch all five sessions. But right. <laughs> you can watch all five sessions if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I just read. I just read the uh, basically the clip notes uh, of their scenario, and um, yeah, it, it's something that anybody can access if you're curious about it. Yeah, don't don't watch too much of those evil people because then you're going to invite their demons to come right. to you. No, that's why you need to be safe. In the world, but not of it, man. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, thanks for sticking out with us this long, guys. We appreciate it. It's been a long month since we were recorded a podcast episode, and I hope that's that, why we gave you a long podcast. That's right. We're making up. Don't for Don't apologize the, for we're, it. All right. I don't apologize. We're not. We're making up for lost time. So, but uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate all those great comments you guys leave in reviews, even with the one star and the good mm-hmm. reviews. Uh, we love you, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will catch you next time on All Out War. See ya. Bye. <laughs>